Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by the audio ministry of Lighthouse Baptist Church in Schenectady, New York. For more great content, please visit us at lighthousebaptist.org. Now let's open our hearts and minds to the Word of God. appreciate the work that went into today. Of course, Pastor Pete organizing all this stuff going on. After church, Brother Mike with the, uh, the old-fashioned. He's in charge of our, a lot of our special days. He does a great job with it. and Appreciate that, the, the Baptist histories and uh, J.R. Graves. And I do, I have one or two books from him in my office. Uh, tremendous uh, author, uh, very good Baptist historian. And uh, so it's, it's got some terrific, uh, terrific things to read. Turn with me in your Bibles, please, to Romans chapter 10. You know, and I'm sitting here thinking... We're going through the book of Romans, of course, and for the next few weeks, as a matter of fact, for the holiday season, we're going to be interrupted quite a bit on this. Uh, haven't decided, but we may not pick up Romans again until January, uh, after Romans chapter 10, just because the next three weeks we have missionaries, are going to be wonderful. We have uh, uh, a guest preacher, Pastor Prime's going to be preaching uh, one of the Sundays in um, December. We have the holiday season with special emphasis on the birth of Christ and the cha- in the wonderful connected messages with that so we may not pick up on this again till January but I'm thinking what a great day to bring a message from Romans chapter 10 and we're going through the book of Romans Uh, I've never done this on a Sunday morning I don't think and we're doing one chapter a week of course we're on Romans chapter 10 can anyone guess what we did last week (laughs) Romans chapter 9 that's right very good but Romans chapter 10 I've entitled it and I think it's very appropriate uh, for today's uh, meeting whosoever means you. And uh, the Bible's very clear. It's, what's interesting about Romans chapters 9, 10, and 11, they're the chapters that are frequently carved out to say, well, they deal with predestination and election. I'm not a Calvinist. I don't have a Calvinist bone in my body. And I think rightly dividing the word truth leads you to that conclusion. Uh, I'm having a hard time finding an argument for it, but particularly in Romans chapter 10. And we're going to start by reading verses 1 through 5. Uh, we're going to look at a few things today, and, and again, it's kind of quick. You can't cover exhaustively every verse in a chapter in a Sunday morning sermon. And it's not my intent to do that, but we'll cover a couple main points in here. And the first, oh, and lastly, before I go any further, Jim, good to see you this morning. Jim was out sick. Jim had COVID. Prior to that, he had uh, bronchitis. No specific COVID symptoms, right, Jim? But then, but went through. You got the antibodies. So um, if you need a blood transfusion, you can see Jim. He'd be more than happy to donate. But uh, Jim, it's, it's good to see you with us. So he was uh, been out for a little bit, but it's really good to have you with us again today. Uh, so verses 1 through 5, Romans chapter 10. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. For Moses describeth the righteousness which is of the law, that the man which doeth those things shall live by them. Let's go, Lord, in prayer. Father, we thank you so much. It's our honor to be in the Lord's house on the Lord's day. And Lord, we just proclaim that to be so. 
Father, it's, it's such a privilege to be with other believers in the house of God, open up the word of God, read the things that are contained therein. Lord, to focus our attention on those things. Lord, they, we are reading the very words of life, the most profound, influential, truthful book that's ever been written, ever will be written. And yet so many, Lord, build their lives not on this rock, but on some other way. Lord, help us always to be men and women of the book. We realize it is the foundation of our faith. It is the, the book from which we get the concept of heaven and of hell, of sin, of righteousness, of God, of ourselves, our destiny, our, our, our opportunities. Lord, we pray that you'd work today in a very special way. We just want to give you all the honor and glory. We want to be completely receptive and, and attentive unto the things you have for us. And Father, we pray, as always, that if there be any here today that have not yet repented of their sin and trusted Christ as Savior, Father, we pray that today would be the day of salvation. We pray that not another day would go by being unsure of their eternal destiny. Lord, we thank you for the gift of life. We thank you, Lord, that we're saved by grace through faith. And we ask that you to bless this service time together. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. So whosoever means you, it's such a wonderful chapter. I, I love preparing sermons. I love going through and especially when you go chapter by chapter, of course, you get divided up into some topics that you know, hopefully make some sense and are communicable. And, uh, but whosoever, so some of the greatest verses in the entire Bible are in this chapter. The first point that we're going to see is quickly is zeal but no knowledge. That's really what the first five verses talk about. And the Apostle Paul says, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. Well, wait a minute, was it in his plan or not? I would, might say as a Calvinist, yes or no. My prayer isn't going to make any difference, but it does make a difference. It does make a difference. And God is constantly reaching out to people who sometimes are hard hearts, going their own ways. He says, Jesus said, how often I would have gathered thee as a hen, mother hen gathereth her chicks, but ye would not. He's constantly reaching out. You know, if, if you're here today and you've never, you can't, you can't decidedly, decisively say, I have definitely trusted Christ as my Savior, and a time and place comes back to mind, then I'm asking you to seriously consider, because if you were to be at, be at this church for 40 years straight, you would never hear a more important principle presented than that of our need to receive Christ as Savior. He is, there is none other name under heaven given among, given among men whereby we must be saved. So we just ask you to consider that. We're not, we don't strong arm anybody. It's between you and the Lord. But we certainly want to make it very clear, make it very, very clear of the importance of that, uh, of that most all-important decision. And so the Apostle Paul, he knew that the Jews were now at this point, generally speaking, not, not every individual, but as a nation in a state of rejection. And they, he also knew that they were in a state of rejection because of their own stubbornness and that God was still waiting to be gracious, still waiting for them. I, my, brethren, my heart's uh, desire and prayer, prayer for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record, they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. They believed, they believed that their law, uh, they believed their law to, be, to come immediately from God himself, which it did. It absolutely did. The law came from God. God gave the law. And they were zealous of it. They were jealous of the law. They conscientiously, fairly conscientiously, observed all of its rights, 
all of its ceremonies, but they didn't understand what the conclusion of all that was supposed to be. The conclusion of all that law and following was to highlight our need for a Savior because no one ever, ever, ever fulfilled the law other than Jesus Christ. You couldn't do it. And so the purpose of the law was to bring us to Christ. And they were, in verse 3, it says they were, they were ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness. They have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. You know, Travis and I have kind of a standing joke of, oh, you're a good person, right? And I do use that term from time to time, they're a good person, they're a good person. I don't mean that in a spiritual sense. And, you know, I was thinking this week of, of a term that would really highlight it a little bit better. Rather than someone thinking, as they're thinking about God, am I going to make it to heaven? And they might say of themselves, I'm a good person and I believe in God. And a lot of people say, and they think, I'm a good person, I believe in God, therefore, I'll pro- I'm probably going to make it. Take the word good out. Insert the word righteous. Because that's what the Bible's talking about, righteous. See, that makes it a little bit tougher, doesn't it, to say, I'm a righteous person. And so the, the, the argument that Paul's making is they've gone about to establish their own righteousness. And so what people would have to say then is, I'm a self-righteous person. That would really highlight it, wouldn't it? Wouldn't that be a clarify, remove all doubts, any, any, any shadow of an argument that someone might have from the position of being good or not good? Insert the word righteousness. The Apostle Paul says, for being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. I'm so thankful for God's righteousness. I'm thankful, and this is true, it's true for every person in this room, it's true for everybody that's ever been born. What God desires is to give to you, place on you and in you, the imputed righteousness of Jesus Christ. You can never be righteous. You can try, and I would applaud you for trying, but it's a vain effort. You can try to be righteous and be thoroughly righteous, totally righteous, but you're not going to make it. Well, what it demonstrates to us is our, our really deep, inevitable need, and an, you can't argue against it, our need for the righteousness of God. And I like that, because that sounds pretty formal. It sounds pretty final. The righteousness. I have been given the imputed righteousness of Christ. I don't deserve one bit of it. You don't deserve one bit of it. The Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And God does at that time, imputes, gives to you, bestows on you, places on your account the righteousness of Christ when we receive Christ, when we call upon the name of the Lord. So here they have zeal but no knowledge. For Christ, verse 4, he says it just in case. Just in case. You weren't quite sure what he meant by verses 1, 2, and 3. He put in verse 4. And 4 says, For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. You can't separate the sacrificial death of Christ from the law. The law was built around the sacrificial system. They would pay penalties for sins and so on. Jesus, uh, Jesus finished that. He fulfilled the law. So, you have zeal but no knowledge. That was kind of his opening argument. He loved Israel. He wasn't Israel. He brought up a Jew. He was a Pharisee. Uh, to be a Pharisee, it'd take a lot of credentials to be a Pharisee. You had to memorize, I've heard different numbers, 30,000 scripture verses. I don't know what the number is. But you had to be really, really well-schooled and very diligent 
in your outward obedience to the law. It was not an easy job. It's not something you could just you know, fill out an ad in the paper and go be a Pharisee. It was really tough. Paul did this. And he gives his qualification in the book of Philippians, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, a tribe of Benjamin, circumcised the eighth day, and all these different things. He says, but you know what? In hindsight, this is somebody who's like super religious. He said, you know, in hindsight, I count it all but done. And that doesn't take a lot. That doesn't take a Hebrew scholar to figure out what he's talking there, a Greek scholar. It's, I count it all done. That's what all that stuff was. This this righteousness that I was hoping to build up and, and hold up as my, my entrance into heaven card. I counted all but tongue, he said. Paul sets out here in Romans chapter 10, they had zeal but no knowledge. Then he gets into verses 6 through 13, works but no righteousness. So they had a lot of works, and a lot of people try to say, well, I'm a righteous person, I've done this, I've, I've kept the commandments. Have you ever heard someone say, I've kept the commandments? <laughs> Have you? Have you ever said, maybe you said, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, maybe at one time somebody asked you if you've kept the commandments, you say, I've kept the commandments. Well, you either don't know what they are or you're lying about it because you haven't kept the commandments. You can't possibly keep them all. Maybe at time to time you do, but how many violations are there? Innumerable. Innumerable. And we're all cut from the same cloth on that. So here we have the second point is works, but no righteousness. In 6 through 13, it says, But the righteousness which is of faith speaketh on this wise. Say not in thine heart who shall ascend into heaven, that is to bring up Christ from above, bring, bring Christ down from above, or who shall descend into the deep, that is to bring up Christ again from the dead. But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart, that is the word of faith which we preach. And this is, again, some of the most important verses in the entire Bible are in Romans chapter 10, and this is where some of them start. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, whosoever believeth unto him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. Verse 13, incredible verse. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. They had works. And you may have works. We all have works. We have works. Particularly, Paul's talking about the Jews. They had works. They had no righteousness. Because the righteousness is by faith. It's not by works. The righteousness is by faith. And in, 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 in verse 10, But the righteousness which is of faith speaketh on this wise, Say not in thine heart, who shall ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down from above. To bring Christ down from above. If God is going to grant salvation at all, and this is his argument, kind of summarizing it, it's going to be by faith. It has never been by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. He said it over in Galatians. No flesh. No flesh will ever be justified by the works of the law. So Israel, he looks at them, and he sees them the way we see, maybe as God saw us, perhaps as we see other people, as people, they're not all decided, I don't want anything to do with God, I'm going to make up my own way, but maybe he sees them a little bit more like sheep without a shepherd. And they're zealous of the law. 
And they're committing themselves to it. And you have moms and dads bring up boys and girls to follow the law. And Jesus is saying it won't do you any good to follow the law. Not for your salvation. It'll do you no good. There's a lot of benefits to the law, a lot of good precepts and principles, a lot of very good things in there. But it'll never bring you salvation. That's why Paul says, it's, it's not an academic argument where he says, I'm right, you're wrong. He says, brethren, my heart's desire and prayer for Israel is that they might be saved. They're going about trying to establish their own righteousness. The only righteousness we know that is of any value is the righteousness that is by faith. And in verses 9 through 13, it's, he nails it down. Just in case you didn't know what verses 1 through 8 meant, he started with verse 9. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. When I saw that for the first time, when someone was talking to me, I was brought up uh, Roman Catholic, believed in God, believed in the Trinity, thought the Bible was a very important book. I never really read it. Um, I j- but when someone said, thou shalt be saved, ding! I never heard that before. I thought, like a lot of people think, whatever religious background you may be from, think, I hope I make it. I would look to people. I remember looking at people and saying, I wouldn't send them to hell, and I'm better than they are, so I must be okay. They're trying to figure out, am I going to make it? It's a really big question. I had a lady a few months ago. She goes to church every day of the week, literally every day of the week, and that this one particular day she's in church, and she says, how do you even know? This is what she, in her heart, this is what God's doing. Then I got to talk to her around 5 o'clock that day. I got to open up the scripture to her. I knew her. We never had much opportunity to sit down like this and led her to the Lord. Earlier that day, this person who goes to church every day said, how do you even know? And the difference is heaven or hell, right? This is not, it's not like if I'm going to drive a Buick or a Ford. This is heaven or hell. And it never ends. It's eternity in one place or eternity in the other. How do you really know? He says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from dead, thou shalt be saved. So my, my encouragement to you, if you're here today and you've never clearly asked God to forgive you and to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, we encourage you to do that. It, it, what is it? It's not by walking up and down the aisle per se. You can come up and we'd pray with you, show you from the Bible. It's, it's a moment of prayer, sincere prayer, where someone believes, yes, Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Yes, he died on the cross in my place. He paid the penalty for my sin, and I cannot save myself. I can only by, be saved by faith. I can only have righteousness by faith. Therefore, God, it's me, and I'm so sorry I've sinned, I believe that your son Jesus died on the cross for my sin. I am asking you to please forgive me. I need Jesus Christ as my Savior, and I trust him for what he's done. It doesn't have to be those exact words, but that's, that's the message. And if you came to every service for 40 years, the most important thing you'd hear would be that. We could embellish it, we could bring more verses on it, but we can't improve on it. Saved by grace through faith. Whosoever means you. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, shalt believe in the heart that God hath raised from the dead, thou shalt be saved. 
For the scripture saith that whosoever believeth unto him shall not be ashamed. He's quoting Isaiah 28, 16, Isaiah 49, 23. I mean, there's so many verses he's quoting this, and for time's sake, we're not covering all of them. But it's, it's so important. They had works, but no righteousness. And then lastly, faith by the word. Romans chapter 10, faith by the word. What a great chapter. Solid. This is not, we, we, we use curriculum. We have uh, Lancaster Baptist Church. Uh, we use their curriculum. It's a great guide through scripture. Of course, it's always based on scripture. We use some curriculum. <laughs> this isn't curriculum. This is God's word. Every word. Everything that God wanted to write down, he did. And everything he wanted to write down and did write down, he put right here. Everything. And look at that. That's not a mammoth book. Now, it's not an easy read like a Reader's Digest, because it, you know, it's no big pictures in here, no coloring spots. But this is it. There's no more important book that's ever been written, never will be written. This, Jesus said of this book, not one dotting of an I or crossing of a T will fail until all things be fulfilled. That's how important it is. And it's this book, the Word of God, that tells us these all-important things about how to be saved. Romans chapter 10 is such a great passage in here. We cover faith by the Word, 14 through 21. We'll read that. We'll close not too long from now, very shortly. It says, How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? This is very logical building here. And how shall they preach except they be sent, as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah saith, Lord, who hath believed your report, our report. So then, in case you didn't get what the first 16 verses meant, he puts it in verse 17. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But I say, have they not heard? Yes, verily, their sound went into all the earth and their words unto the ends of the world. But I say, did not Israel know? First, Moses saith, I will provoke you to jealousy by them that are no people. And by a foolish nation, I will anger you. But Isaiah is very bold and saith, I was found of them that sought me not. I was made manifest unto them that asked not after me. But to Israel, he saith, all day long, I have stretched forth my hands unto a disobedient and gainsaying people. What we see here is a reference, Old Testament, multiple statements. We're, we're, matter of fact, um, uh, in, in Joel uh, chapter 2, I think verse 23, uh, it, uh, other places, I'm not going to cite all of them. But he's saying, he warned it beforehand to Israel. He said, you're my people. I chose you. I made you a nation from two people who should never even have children. And I put my name there. And I'm going to make you the lighthouse, so to speak, use our name, the lighthouse to the rest of the world. Salvation was never only for the Jews, but it's going to come through the Jews. The prophets, Abraham, Moses, the prophets, the scripture, everything came through the Jews. But he says, but I'm going to embarrass you. I'm going to call them my people who are not my people. I'm going to make them my people. They weren't even looking for me. You know what he's talking about? Us. Now, unless you're Jewish, but even if you're Jewish, we all need Christ. But he's saying, from a historical working, from a heaven to earth working, he said, Old Testament, I'm going to do this. Paul recites it here because now it's an accomplished matter. He did it. Jesus came, presented himself as a, as a Messiah, 
when he came through the eastern gate of Jerusalem on the, on the colt, the fall of an ass, in, in fulfillment of the prophecy, I think, in Zechariah, where the, the king's going to come unto thee lowly and on the colt, the fall of an ass. And so Jesus did that. God fulfilled his promise exactly like he said he was going to do. And then what did they do with the Messiah? What did they do with the Savior? What did they do with the Son of God? They crucified him. And so it was prophesied it would happen. He had to die for the sins of the world. None of this caught God by surprise. It was all part of his plan. But he says to Israel, I'm going to call them my people or not my people. Paul references it here. He said um, in verse 21, But to Israel he saith, All day long have I stretched forth my hands unto a disobedient and gainsaying people. Wait a minute. I thought you couldn't resist. Because this is used in the context 1911 of, of Calvinism, predestination election. If you can't resist, how can you possibly be disobedient? If God said, do this, and then you don't do it, isn't that resisting? I, I don't oversimplify it because it, it does a disservice to the argument, but it's, it's just these things stand out. And so, but what he says is, the whosoever meaneth you, verse 17, so then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. It's such a, a great principle that he has. Verse four, 13, again, just to reference back. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How shall they call upon him whom they have not believed? I, I just want to wrap, we're going to close on this thought. How shall they believe on him in whom they have not believed? You can't believe on Christ if you haven't heard about Christ. And if you can't go there yourself, it is your responsibility, it's our responsibility to send missionaries there to go tell them, because we can't be everywhere. That's why we have a missions program. And how shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? This is the logical order. It's the order that has followed since the time of Christ, and even preceding, but certainly the, the New Testament, the, the gospel of Christ, the fulfillment of the law, this has been the pattern. And it's a glorious pattern. It's a glorious principle. You know, I, who are we? Who are we? We're, I, I don't want to say we're a bunch of nobodies. Well, that would not be too far off. Who are we? We're just ragtag bunch of people, really. But God has given us some incredible truths. We're all sinners. We're all sinners that need a Savior. And uh, if you haven't prayed to receive Christ as Savior, you know, our deepest prayer is that you would you'd not avoid the issue. A lot of people say, I don't want to talk about that. Oh, no, that's a little awkward. I, I have Irish blood in me. Have you, any Irish people here? Okay. Now, I'm going to attribute this to the Irish, but I know it's true for a lot of people. But poke an Irishman in the chest. What usually happens? You get poked back, right? And I'm not a fighter. I'm not a pugilist. I don't, don't want to mis, misrepresent this. But the point being, I couldn't avoid the topic. The Bible. Always respected it. The Bible's the word of God, right? Always respected it. So someone never really read it. The guy up front never told me to read it. Never read very much of it. I figured... I'm probably getting everything I need because he hasn't said anything different. And I'm kind of trusting that guy to tell me what I need to know. But then I met someone who went a little bit further than that guy up front. And he found people who actually believe the Bible. And they read the Bible. 
And I found out it's not that complicated. It's really not that complicated. And especially when you talk about topics of salvation, clearly identified in Romans chapter 10. It's not that complicated. And so we can choose to avoid the topic. Now, if you need to think about something, that's okay. Ask a question. Think about it. That's okay. We're not trying to rush anything in, anybody into anything. But it's not that complicated. And it's one of those topics. And this is the thing that brought me across the finish line. I had heard these things. When I went to church with my brother, it was a Baptist church. My brother's talking to me about the gospel. I hear it preached. I'd read it for myself. I don't want to take that, that guy's word for it. I want to read it for myself, read it for myself. But then it came really clear that, you know what? We do need to receive Christ as Savior. And once I understood that, now it's, what are you going to do about it? You're at the finish line. You know this is the decision. It, you're not a theologian, but it's pretty clear what you need to do. And I need to get forgiveness by God. I need to be born again. I need to ask Jesus Christ to forgive. You're at the finish line. And the question is, what are you going to do? Are you going to run all that way and then just put on the brakes and say, whoa, I don't know about this? Or are we going to trust God for what he said and say, Lord, you know all things. And I trust you. I know that I'm a sinner. I know I need a Savior. So what a great message. Faith by the word. Whosoever means you. And uh, there's probably, not just matters of salvation, but it's God's dealing with us. You know, the fact that God loves us is undeniable. Written time and time again in the Word of God. He loves us, He knows all about us. And if you're not saved, He does want to save you. If you are saved, and I know most people in this room are, I don't, I'm not assuming everybody. If you are saved, He wants to use you. He's got a plan for you. There's, there's untapped potential in every single one of us. What we need to do is submit ourselves to the work of, working, workable grace of God to see those plans fulfilled. We hope that message was an encouragement to you. To stay up to date with us, please follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook at LBC Schenectady. If you would like more information on how heaven can be your home, please visit lighthousebaptist.org slash the gospel.